This is KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, November 17th. It's 6 p.m. Time for the evening news. I'm Claudio Mendoza. University of California lecturers announced this morning that they won't strike after reaching an agreement with the UC system. And despite an appeal by Governor Newsom to reduce water consumption by 15%, Californians have been saving much, much less. These stories, plus a profile of Northern California Democrat Jackie Spear on tonight's California Report. And Felton Pruitt talks with Nevada City Mayor Dwayne Strausser before a commentary about spirituality in everyday life by Chaplain Norris Burks. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The union representing thousands of University of California lecturers says it has reached a tentative five-year deal with UC management and is calling off a two-day strike that was set to start today. The University Council American Federation of Teachers announced a deal was reached early this morning and that the walkout is off and classes that had been set to be canceled because of it are back on today. Union leaders say the agreement will improve jobs to workloads, and compensation. No comment yet from UC on the proposed deal. Bay Area Democratic Congresswoman Jackie Speer has announced she will not run for re-election after serving in the House of Representatives since 2008. Speer has been an especially powerful voice when it comes to gun control and violence prevention, with her views shaped by a near-death incident in her own life. KQED Politics reporter Guy Maserati has more. Spear had a unique perspective on the debate over gun violence in America. She was a survivor, shot five times in the 1978 Jonestown Massacre in Guyana. A decade later, Spear was a state legislator, pushing an assault weapons ban in the state assembly. One of my colleagues asked me a question and says, Ms. Spear, have you ever shot an assault weapon? Spear's response, as she remembered in a 2018 interview with KQED. Let me just ask you a question. Have you ever been shot by an assault weapon? The assault weapons ban passed in 1989 and was signed by then-Governor George Duke Magian. She was a leader in that effort. Back then, Congressman Mike Thompson was Spears' chief of staff. That ban never would have happened had it not been for Jackie Spear. Peter Ambler, the executive director of Giffords, a gun violence prevention advocacy group, says Spears' personal experience made her a powerful advocate. When you look face-to-face into the eyes of somebody like Jackie Spear, who has experienced gun violence in the most devastating personal terms, it puts an entirely different lens on the experience. In Congress, Spears advocated for legislation to put in place stricter background checks on firearm sales, which passed the House earlier this year. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. Federal officials held a virtual discussion on the recent supply chain disruptions at the Port of Los Angeles on Tuesday. They were joined by Port of L.A. Executive Director Gene Soroka, who outlined changes to the number of containers lingering at the shipping hub. Since October 24th, we've seen a 25 percent drop from about 95,000 containers to 71,000 in the number of import containers on our docks. And cargo sitting nine days or longer has dropped by 29%. U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg says that the drop is an early but promising sign that recent efforts to mitigate the logjam are working. But a month ago, President Biden announced that the Port of L.A. would begin operating 24 hours a day. Here is Buttigieg's response when he was asked why that hasn't happened yet. 
first of all, let's recognize it's, of course, not flipping a switch. Uh, there are so many players, even just on the grounds of the port. Soroka says the effort to transition to round-the-clock operations will take time. Meanwhile, Governor Gavin Newsom will be joined by the head of the Biden administration's Supply Chain Disruptions Task Force at the port later today to discuss port congestion and other supply chain issues in California. An hours-long debate was held yesterday over a right-to-housing ordinance introduced by Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg to address homelessness in the city. The proposal would require that those who are unhoused accept shelter when they're offered at least two alternatives. If they decide not to use it, they would be moved even if they're on public property. Here's Steinberg speaking during last night's meeting. I would like the right-to-housing to be a statewide model and for this idea to spread beyond Sacramento to other parts of the state. Because I believe that in every city and in our state, we're gonna make great progress with the unprecedented financial investments that the governor and the legislature have provided, but we're only gonna go so far unless we are driven by law to do even better than we are currently doing. If approved, the right to housing ordinance would be the first of its kind in the country and would go into effect beginning in 2023. Civil and disability rights groups have opposed similar proposals for their potential to fine or jail homeless residents or force them to be held in a place they don't want to be, including shelters. Support for the California Report comes from Water Heaters Only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together, on the web at schmidtfutures.com. And Stanford Medicine, Protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. Californians, you just aren't conserving enough water. Over the summer, Governor Gavin Newsom asked people to voluntarily cut water use by 15% because of the drought. But in September, we only cut our water use by 3.9%. That's down from 5.1% in August, according to new numbers released by the state. Water experts say many people permanently reduced their water use during past droughts. They say further water conservation will take more time and money to achieve. The year ending in September was the second driest in California's recorded history. Los Angeles County is looking to help small businesses that have fallen behind on their rent during the pandemic. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi has the details. The Small Business Rent Relief Program would provide grants of up to $40,000 for small businesses in unincorporated areas of the county. Emilio Salas, executive director of the L.A. County Development Authority, says $7.5 million in federal funding is available. The entrepreneurs that operate these small businesses took the risk of investing in their community and now find themselves at risk of having the pandemic destroy the basic financial stability of their families. Salas says they're focusing on businesses in communities most in need of pandemic and economic relief, relying on risk factors of COVID-19 infection and the ability to recover from the ongoing impacts of the pandemic. Applications will be accepted starting Wednesday morning through November 24th. For The California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi.
And that is the California Report for Wednesday, November 17th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Locally, Nevada County reported 34 new lab-confirmed COVID-19 cases today. 198 cases are active, 11 are hospitalized. According to the Union of Grass Valley, just over 350 appointments were made for the COVID-19 vaccine clinic for children ages 5 to 18 held Tuesday at the Grass Valley Veterans Memorial Building. Nevada County Director of Public Health Jill Blake said that all appointments made available were filled and that those with appointments Tuesday had also made second-dose appointments for three weeks later. Here's Jill Blake. We held a clinic yesterday that was open to any school-age child, but it was primarily the 5- to 11-year-olds that we saw. I just want to say an event like that takes a lot of bodies. I think it was over 50 staff and volunteers and some hired folks who came together to make that happen. A shout out to some of our community partners include um, Docomo's Pharmacy, Western Sierra Medical Clinic, Tapaday Indian Health, but the library staff was there. We had a juggler there. We had somebody there with balloons, making balloon animals. And so it's not often that you experience a lot of joy at a children's vaccination clinic, but I think a lot of joy was experienced yesterday. We had a few kids who went up to our checkout station and asked if they could stay longer than their observation (laughs) period required because they were having such a good time. But I also want to give a shout out to the parents because it, of course, took them to pull this off as well. They did a really remarkable job of preparing their kids for that clinic, and they expressed so much gratitude to everybody that they came across um, during that event. So again, it was just a, it was a real feel-good event, and also something that is, is critically important to the people who were vaccinated yesterday. Turning now to regional weather, in Nevada City and Grass Valley, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 45, Thursday, mostly cloudy with a high near 60. In Truckee Tahoe, tonight mostly cloudy with a low around 30 degrees. Tomorrow, a weak storm is expected to move into the region, bringing breezy conditions and very light snowfall to higher elevations. Choppy lake conditions and some minor travel impacts are possible at Donner Summit. Tomorrow will be mostly cloudy with a high near 52 degrees. Finally, for Sacramento and the surrounding areas, tonight you'll see increasing clouds with a low around 46. Tomorrow, watch for areas of dense fog, otherwise cloudy, with a high near 60. Next, Felton Pruitt talks to Nevada City Mayor Dwayne Strouser, about what's going down in our little gold rush town. We're talking with Dwayne Strasser, the mayor of Nevada City. It's a lot of stuff on your plate lately. Every time I talk with you, you seem like you're going into a meeting. Uh, busy times for the city. Uh, that it is. And the county and Grass Valley, basically all of us as a whole. It's always the uh, end of the year cram time to get everything kind of finalized and, and wrapped up. And with COVID continuing to linger, it, it's, it's put another strain on, I think, everybody's plate. Well, let me hit you with just a couple quick questions then. We'll start with, uh, there's a couple of vacancies on the Nevada City Planning Commission. What's the process there? 
So we we changed the process for for the first time in many many years. Uh, we actually had protocol in place that we could accept applications and then basically let everybody uh, on council and staff take a look. That's never been utilized though for the most part for many years. Each council member basically just makes their own choice. And uh, unfortunately, recently we we ended up in a situation where we had to remove the planning commissioner. So we agreed as a as a staff and as a council to go back to accepting applications. And then the two of us that needed to replace our commissioners uh, looked through the applications, but it allowed all council members to take a look at that information uh, and look at the resumes. And then just as of last week, um, Doug Fleming, the other council member whose uh, planning commissioner was removed, he made a choice out of the uh, five or six most recent applications that we had. And then, um, then I went in and interviewed the remaining uh, folks that I found interesting and uh, made my choice. So I believe we have both made our choices, but uh, both of those individuals now need to be, uh, they need to take the oath of office like any elected official or appointed official have to take uh, in California has to take. And I believe they're both on board ready to go. But uh, because November and December, we only hold one official meeting versus two each month. They probably will not be officially seated until the December 8th meeting coming up, even though they may start actively participating before then on the commission. And then we've got a couple other vacancies. We need a new city manager and a new police chief. That is correct. And um, city manager says has been in the works for many, many months. Uh, interviews, uh, we got to the point that we thought we had selected a wonderful uh, choice but that did not happen, and um, that that person is now not in the running for that seat anymore. So we are uh, going back to relook at other potential applicants that have approached us, and um, kind of deciding how to go about our next step in finding an appropriate city manager. But we have to move quickly because Joan Felipe, our interim. Uh, is quickly running out of uh, her allotted time as a retiree with CalPERS, the state puts limits. It, it's kind of hurtful to many small communities because we can't keep a pre-retired interim, very experienced, knowledgeable person like Joan on staff indefinitely. You know, we have a limit per year on how many hours they're allowed to work for us. So we're, we're rapidly approaching the limit on her services. Um, so we, we are working as quickly as possible, um, but at the same time, it's not a decision that we feel comfortable rushing into we've got to find the appropriate person so we don't run into uh, a, a rehash of what we did uh, last year when we had to part ways with our, our pre-city manager. What about a police chief? Uh, same thing. We, we are at the point that our interim, um, Chief Steck, wonderful man, came in, has helped us tremendously in, in looking at all options on our policing model for the city. He is also a retiree, so he is also an interim, so we also have a limit and the issue with that, though, is that we are ready to go, but we really, truly wanted to have the new city manager in place to help make that decision so that, that we as a council and staff, the city manager, are picking somebody because they have to work hand in hand. They have to be very, very compatible and kind of on the same page in, in their beliefs of leadership. So we are going to start the process anyway, but we were truly hoping and are still hoping that we can have a city manager in place to help make that decision. So uh, the process has started, but we're kind of holding back the best we can until uh, we see what our status with the city manager position. 
And a lot of folks want to know about Victorian Christmas. Are we going to have a Victorian Christmas in downtown Nevada City this year? At this point, absolutely. Um, uh, Stuart, the new gentleman that uh, is our chamber director, brought forth various date options. Um, so that is set in place. I believe that Jesse Locks also spoke to that matter. And, and so, yes, we have agreed and cleared with some contingencies that they have got to, like anybody, they've got to follow uh, whatever state COVID guidelines happen to be in place when those dates hit. And that, as we all know, we're changing rapidly. Everything was relaxed last month. And now uh, nationwide, not just here in Nevada County or in the state of California, we're getting the re-spikes of the Delta variant and some other variations of the Delta variant. And everybody knew that would happen because this time of year is, is a time that indoor, uh, with the colder weather hitting, indoor gatherings start to happen more rapidly. So again, we, we've got to wait on a daily basis, just like we have the last two to three years. Um, but yes, Victorian Christmas will happen on the dates posted by the chamber as long as they feel comfortable in meeting the states and or our county health department's guidelines. Are there going to be any new uh, wintertime restrictions uh, regarding COVID and masking and vaccinations and stuff like that as far as businesses? Well, there could be, but we don't know that yet because right now, we, unfortunately, we can only go by uh, the information we get uh, daily and or weekly from the state uh, based on the trends that are happening statewide and in Northern California specifically. We're hoping not. We would like not to have that happen, and we are trusting that most of our business owners are, you know, they've been been there, done that. They kind of know the routine, and, and we trust that they're doing what's best for themselves, their staff, and their customers. So we would only, uh, with the county's help, with the health department's help, apply new restrictions on anybody, again, that is, is blatantly not being uh, a, a good partner and or doing what would just be simple common sense steps to protect everybody uh, involved with their uh, their services or their products. We're talking with Dwayne Strasser, the mayor of Nevada City. Do you have anything else you want to add, Dwayne? No, I, I'm looking forward to um, a, a wonderful fall and winter season this year and looking forward to things starting to get back to some normalcy. We have a great city council, in my opinion, in place right now, and we're on the verge of having a new refreshed planning commission seated. And I, I'm, we are just looking forward to, I think, uh, moving forward uh, in a positive way with new uh, energy and getting back to some normalcy like everybody is in every city and, and every state in the nation. And I, I think we're on the verge of that, and I'm looking forward to it happening soon. Dwayne Strasser, the mayor of Nevada City, thank you for your time. Thank you. We close tonight with a commentary by Chaplain Norris Burks. Tonight he shares a story about the summer he spent as a Southern Baptist missionary in northern Nevada. I met Pastor Terry Lawrence so long ago that I'm certain I haven't properly recalled his name. So a fictional name helps to retell his story. However, I do remember meeting him during the summer of 1979 while I served as a summer missionary for the Southern Baptist churches in northern Nevada. I was one of hundreds of college students working nationwide, helping churches conduct vacation Bible school and summer youth camps. Each missionary stayed within a region of churches, changing locations each week until we had worked a dozen churches during the summer. Most pastors hoped their missionaries would be an ambitious college kid who could re-energize their youth group. The pastors told a pun amongst themselves to rate the energy of these workers. Summer missionaries they said, and some are not. I was more of the not kind. 
Sometime in midsummer, I was assigned to Lawrence's church. The pastor was a slight, lanky man, prematurely bald, whose matter-of-fact way of speaking rang like the gospel truth. After Sunday service, we sat down in his office where he outlined my upcoming week with him. Partway through, he noticed the drift in my love-lost eyes and asked me what was on my mind. So I dropped the missionary pretense, and I admitted that I was homesick and pining over a lost girlfriend while trying to rekindle another. I described a malaise that was keeping me out of the helping mood. It's true, he said. We won't always feel like serving others, but the life you save this week may actually be your own. He had my attention. Three years ago, I was here in this office, preparing to leave, when a phone call brought me back to my desk. The man on the other end of the line said he was planning to kill himself. He asked if I had anything to say that would change his mind. What did you say? I said, go ahead. What? No way. Yep, I told him. Go ahead. Kill yourself. I'm fixing to do the same thing myself. Then Lawrence told me how he had planned to leave his office that day and kill himself in a deserted location. He'd given away his library, had written the note, and loaded the gun. He meant business, he told me. When his caller went silent, Lawrence asserted the conversation by reversing the caller's question. He asked the man to suggest reasons why the pastor shouldn't kill himself. Miraculously, the stunned man actually listed a few reasons. People need you, he said. Who, for instance? Your church needs you. People like me, said the caller. What about your parents, the pastor asked. Don't they need you too? For an hour, the two kept swapping reasons the others shouldn't kill themselves, until eventually they both made an anti-suicide pact. See what happened there, Lawrence asked me. Uh, kinda. Look, kid. I doubt your love life is edging you towards suicide, so I need you to see how when I recommitted to helping others with their problems, it gave me a way to see through mine. Now, today, after 40 years in ministry, I've come to see what happened there in that dusty Nevada office. In Lawrence's experience, there was no room for the cliché thinking that seeks to reduce the size of your problems by comparing to someone else in a worse situation. Lawrence was telling me that we aren't so much broken people as we are interconnected. In other words, there is little help for those unwilling to help others. Christian scripture puts it succinctly in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give away your life. You'll find life given back, but not merely given back. Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. By the way, that girlfriend I was trying to reconnect with? became my wife, Becky. See what happened there? The views expressed on this show are those of the speakers only and are not necessarily those of KVMR, our board, staff, volunteers, or contributors. That concludes our newscast for today, Wednesday, November 17th, 2021. You can listen to this and previous broadcasts on our website, kvmr.org. This year has been difficult for some of us, but we all have something to be grateful for. What's yours? What are you glad for? Share it with your KVMR family. Call our gratitude hotline and leave a short message. We'll air them Thanksgiving week. The number to call is 530-264-4160. KVMR gets support from Wild Birds Unlimited, locally owned nature and gift store offering all things birds, feeding supplies, and nature-inspired gifts. 
phone orders and curbside service available, bringing people and nature together through birds. Wild Birds Unlimited, Neal Street, Grass Valley. NSPD Markets, family operated for over 60 years, utilizing local farmers and suppliers, offering conventional, organic, and specialty products, hot and cold deli items, also baked goods. In Nevada City and Grass Valley, spdmarket.com. Stick around. Just around the bend, host Keith Porter will speak to one of my favorite sages, KVMR's chief engineer, Dave Buzz Barnett. Then at 7, it's Democracy Now!, and at 8 p.m., it's Celtic Cadence with Annie O'Day Hestbeck. I'm Claudio Mendonça. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.